Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yeah, what's happening out there in Liberty Land, everybody? This is Brian McWilliams, and this is Electric Liberty Land. Happens to be episode number 59, which means you can find all of the show notes for today's episode over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL59. Now, I am going to talk today about the uh, the budget deal a bit. I'm going to talk about the temporary budget deal and I'm going to talk about a little bit of Rand Paul stuff. But before I do any of that, I just got back from uh, a trip to Vegas. I was out there doing a little gambling, doing a little sports watching, doing a little boozing. All at the same time in many circumstances. And, you know, I I love it. Where else uh, do you feel slightly more free than Vegas? At least you can gamble. At least you can walk around with a drink in your hand and not worry about getting arrested for all sorts of just ridiculous petty garbage that they love to uh, to do anywhere outside of Vegas. But I had an interesting conversation while I was there. And the interesting conversation happened to be with a damned Canuck. Yes, yes, uh, those filthy Canadian friends of ours from up north. So I'm talking to this Canadian and uh, at, at, a, at a, a bar of ill repute, let's say. And, uh, and by the way, many bars of ill repute to be found in Vegas, one of which uh, I'm very fond of, called the Double Down Saloon, a must-go, really. Just uh, if you're there, make sure to pop in. And uh, I don't think you'll get stabbed in this bar, but, you know, you might want to watch your mouth slightly. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of place. But anyway, one of the many places of ill repute that I visited while in Las Vegas, I ran into this Canadian guy. And I didn't even bring up politics. I swear to God, now, I've come to, I've come to the point in my life where people must have a sixth sense that I am a political animal now because this guy comes up to me and my buddy Evan and, uh, and just, I, I don't even know, out of nowhere, just starts talking about politics, starts talking about uh, how he's from Canada, how he's a medical marijuana entrepreneur and you could buy weed now in Vegas legally and he's so happy about that, all this stuff. And that part of the conversation, normal enough. But then... The guy goes into this diatribe, and I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, because, you know, I was 15 drinks in easily at this point. But the guy goes into this whole diatribe about how he wants to pay taxes and how he feels that he owes it to his country. You know, he's like, I'm Canadian and I'm I'm proud to be Canadian and I owe I, I want to pay taxes. I want to give money to my country. I think I owe that money to Canada. I, I just I was like, what? I was like, first off, how many drinks have you had where you're just openly confessing your, your love of paying taxes? Because nobody, I, I can't see anybody getting drunk enough to do that. Maybe that asshole Warren Buffett. But if you're this guy, I mean, I, I, it took me aback. I was like, why? Like, wait, why? Okay, so you, you want to pay taxes? You feel that you owe Canada something? I said, why do you, why do you feel like you owe Canada something? And he said, well, because I owe Canada for the rights that I have and the, you know, they, they allow me this freedom to, to have my marijuana business I'm doing. And that's where I had to stop him. And again, I didn't want to spend too much time with this guy uh, due to the circumstances, but that's what I had to stop him. And I was like, brother, I don't know how you got this brainwashed into this completely status point of view you're having, but you got to recognize you're viewing yourself as a worker for the state. I mean, you have bought into this line of horse shit, hook, line, and sinker. This guy, you know, it, saying that you feel that you owe Canada money because they have given you rights, that they have given you freedom. It's like, man, you were born with freedom. You were born with your rights. Canada as a state, any state cannot do anything to provide you with those rights. 
they can take them away from you. And that's what they do. You're thanking God that you could do, they can do this medical marijuana thing. Well, if not the state, you'd be able to do it anyway. And this guy just could not wrap his head around the concept that governments exist to serve the people, not the other way around. And he's just going on and on. He goes, no, no, man. I want, I, no, I want to pay them. They're, they're the best. And I just, I want to give them my money uh, as a thank you and as a proud Canadian. And that's, and like, there was no reason this guy, granted, we're both very drunk. But just from a, a purely logical standpoint, I couldn't believe that this guy was just telling me to my face how he is just above and beyond proud to be a cog in the machine of the status society that he so embraces and so on. And a guy, especially in the medical marijuana industry, you're talking about a plant that was illegal almost everywhere in the, uh, well, I mean, certainly in, in North America, all of North America is viewed as illegal. And only recently did they decide that they were going to stop putting people in prison and locking them away and removing all of their freedom because they wanted to voluntarily take a plant, light it on fire, or shove it in a gummy candy, and then put it in their body. And then harm nobody. <laughs> and, then just, and then just sit around and watch Scooby-Doo cartoons. And this, this guy couldn't, couldn't grasp that. Couldn't grasp that the government only exists to remove your freedoms. Now, granted, the government, when created in this country, was supposed to protect the basic freedoms that we had. But we've seen that that means almost nothing. We we're watching the uh, civil liberties continue, continue to be eroded away. We're watching civil asset forfeiture laws get get ex- put into existence, and then they get slightly pulled back, and then they get pushed through even harder. We're seeing that with the domestic spying apparatus, which again was put into protect our rights, protect our freedoms against these evil terrorists, but really is just used to spy on us. Supposed to be only for spying on terrorists, but now are used or going after people who are uh, committing drug crimes again. Use of a, a personal item, hurting nobody. But no, no. Let's just keep let's keep using this these prosecution uh, tactics willy nilly. <laughs> the department of willy nilly. Uh, anyway, that was my little my little story. Uh, not too salacious. I didn't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole of what uh what happens in Vegas because as we all know by their tagline, what happens in Vegas does in fact stay with them. stay with Vegas unless you happen to bring something home that you shouldn't have, in which case see a doctor. All right. So anyway, guys, budget-heavy conversation today, and uh, this episode will, in fact, be a bit shorter, just because I am so goddamn tired. But President Trump, so two things. Number one, we have the first budget come out, and this was a temporary budget to avoid another government shutdown, and they had to have the, uh, you know, this this uh, reconciliation and... Uh, I'm sorry, not reconciliation, continuing resolution in order to keep the government functioning, which makes no sense because what's the point of having a budget if you can continuously have a resolution to extend the budget? And so the budget means nothing. It's just make-believe, just like like anything with dollars is make-believe these days, just like the Fed. Money's a concept, people, just like like your gender identity. (laughs) Money is a concept. Although we are seeing the truth of that with bitcurrencies, so thank God for crypto. But so they pushed through this new, you know, continuing resolution expenditure, and what does that come at the cost of? What is this this expenditure to get us through to? I believe it was March twenty third. Well, what it got us is a budget deal adding some five hundred billion dollars in federal spending, and a shit ton of that is going towards the military and they're getting rid of the, by the way, so, so two of the, the big things take away from this little budget deal they did. Number one, removes the spending caps that were put on the military and removes the budget ceiling effectively. Like they got rid of that. They're like, all right, see you later. We're not going to do that anymore. So now there's no restrictions on the budget. And that was one of the few good things that Obama did. In 2011, he created, uh, you know, it was like this budget reconstruction act or something along those lines. And essentially it just made it so you could not go over a certain threshold in regards to the deficit, regards to the budget, regards to runaway spending, which is what all these Republicans pretended that they gave a shit about when Obama was in office. Worried about Obamacare because that'll add to the deficit. Worried about the the social programs because that'll add to the deficit. Worried about runaway spending. What do we see? As soon as they've got control of everything, even bigger deficits. 
We're set to surpass the threshold now. We're going to be some $8 trillion in debt as a country. And Trump's Trump's newest uh, budget's no better, but I'll I'll try to keep in in somewhat of a (laughs) logical uh, pattern here. But it has, I mean, to make this deal, to put this deal into place, say, oh, okay, well, we're, you know, we're going to try to help out the dreamers so the Democrats go along with it. Meanwhile, the Democrats, who, while the Republicans were pretending to give a goddamn about runaway government expenditures and, and the deficit, the Democrats were pretending all along that they gave a shit about the military and the wars. They wanted to stop the wars. The party of anti, the anti-war party, right? That was their, their reputation back in the day. Well, considering the fact that they've now made a temporary deal, which takes all the spending caps off the military budget, and now in this newest military budget rolling out, by the way, there's some $700 billion allocated per year. Up from, it was like $650 billion or something like that, $656. Now it's over $700 billion a year, another $80 billion in, in funding every year. Which means over the course of two years, we're going to have some $1.4 trillion just spending on the military. So rebuilding the nukes, because you know Trump's all hot to trot about rebuilding the nukes, which I already talked about a little bit. How many nukes do you need? It's ridiculous. But not only that, so now we're going to build up the tanks. We're going to build up, build up the guns. Maybe this is all a grand plan. Maybe, you know, what? we're talking about crony capitalism, right? The military-industrial complex. I just saw today that Remington, American icon company, Remington is saying that they are looking at bankruptcy. So what do you want to bet right now? They just announced all this new military funding. What do you want to bet that Remington gets a nice, fat, juicy contract at the government to provide a whole shitload of armament? Keep them out of the bankruptcy courts. Because I'd put good money on that. Anyway, meanwhile, the Democrats, like I said, the Democrats are supposed to be anti-war. And what do they do? They let this they let this budget pass. So it's just going to fund more military expenditures, going to fund all these new tanks, all these new guns. And you know, people, they buy these toys to use them. We have long ago abandoned the concept that America is simply having this strong military in order to not be attacked again. That is, there's no way. And part of Trump's budget upcoming, which I'm going to go through some some of the points on that as soon as I finish this rant. We're going rant to rant here. But Trump's new budget calls for, uh, to balance it out because it's, you know, it's just an astronomical figure. But he's saying, oh, we're going to have a trillion in budget cuts. And that's going to come from cutting down the EPA. And that's going to come from cutting down the State Department. Cutting down this, cutting down that. Meanwhile, you know, he's cutting on one side and he's expenditures, you know, he's adding expenses on the other side because he's going to hire some 2,700 new border agents to patrol the border. He's got, you know, putting out this wall shit. But these budget cuts he's proposing, he goes, okay, we're going to add all this money to the military. But part of his budget cut proposal, and this is the thing that cracked me up so much, man. So he, he puts out the budget cuts. And part of the budget cuts is that he's going to close out the wars that are ongoing in, like, you know, in theory, Afghanistan, in Syria, uh, in all these different places. And you go, okay, hold on, man. So on one hand, you're adding all this military budget. You want to rebuild the military. And on the other hand, you're saying that you're going to end all the conflicts? That don't jive from a logic standpoint. If you are going to cut back on the wars, we don't need all of this armament. We don't need to replace anything. We've already got it. And if we need to replace something, well, you know what? We should have to do it for a lot cheaper now because if we're not in a constant pressure of of keeping planes in the air and keeping tanks on the ground and keeping troops out there, if we're not under the constant pressure, should we be able to do things a little bit more slowly? Should we be able to maybe to keep our current existing weaponry in better conditions since they're not out in the field? Shouldn't you be able to release or reduce the military budget? If you're not out there losing craft actively, if you're not wearing them down, if you're not dropping the bombs, then why do you need to increase the budget? It doesn't make any logical sense. Now, maybe you guys are watching more cable news than I am. You know, I don't really watch a lot of cable news, but maybe somebody out there has made this point that there's just a complete logical fallacy here. 
in the way he's looking at this. And not only that, not only that, but Donald Trump also is going to, uh, well, well, here, I'll read you a, a tweet word for word. So this is from February 12th of this week. And I'm not going to do a Trump impression. I don't do one. I don't do one well enough. But he says, this will be a big week for infrastructure. After so stupidly spending $7 trillion in the Middle East, it is now time to start investing in our country. Okay. We're going to get to infrastructure again, like I said, in a little bit. But while I'm on this topic of military expenditures overseas, we're supposed to be reining them in. So Donald makes a good point here in that we are spending an incredible amount of money on infrastructure, rebuilding all of these countries that we bomb for no good reason. Huh, but at the same time, again, we just <laughs> we just killed a bunch of Russians over in Syria. And you've got Rex Tillerson saying that he's not going to pull out, that we're, never, that we're staying in Syria. We just reinforced the troops in Afghanistan. Trump wants to have a big military parade to show off all of our big dick guns that we're using to start these wars over in these countries or fight in these wars that aren't ours. So how do they propose we are going to stop spending money on infrastructure if we're continuing to bomb people in the Middle East? I mean, if we're dropping bombs in Syria and we end up winning that little fight... If the uh, terrorists that we're backing in Syria, the rebel fighters that we're backing and the pretend white hat brigade, if they end up winning, let's say we beat Russia and let's just, by the way, cross our fingers and hope to fucking God that we don't kill any more Russians that matter. Because right now they're saying that recent Russian bomb, recent bombings from America killed Russian mercenaries. So thank God, at least there weren't like Russian military. At least they weren't uh, somebody that actually mattered to Putin. Because then we actually could get sucked into a World War III situation. Maybe then you actually have to build your nukes back up. Although I contend, you know, the, the nukes are probably just fine. But I mean, that's scary. So I, just to my main point, though, how are we going to stop spending on infrastructure for continuing to bomb places and take out their infrastructures? Again, this is a complete logical fallacy. You can't say out of one side of your mouth, we need to stop paying for something. While well, on the other time, on the other hand, you're just going off and dropping bombs and doing the exact same thing over and over again. The only okay, the one way that would work, you blow a country up and you never put it back together again. But that's not been America's MO. And that worked well in the instances of Germany and Japan because they were so thoroughly destroyed that we literally had to build them up from nothing and then had good relations because basically we took all their weapons away. <laughs> Now, these other places, we're seeing that's not working so well. It's not working so great if you're not in the, uh, a Western country to begin with. Different mentality, different people, and not to mention the fact that Germany and Japan were the aggressors in the large part in those wars. So the people that were left alive were not the, uh, the aggressors that had gone out and started the war because those people are all dead, lying in ditches or burned to a crisp. The people that were left were the people that probably didn't want to have the war in the first place. The people that have seen the horrors of war and now would be more happy to move on in a peaceful fashion. When you have wars in the Middle East, as we do now, where you're going in and you're dropping random bombs on people and blowing their families up, and then we're just spreading this half war, or you're arming terrorist groups that then go out and kill someone's families or go out and behead people. You're not going to have that same readiness to just accept America into their hearts as the brave conquerors that they were because these people didn't come over to get us. 11 of them did after we had a presence in the Middle East for 50 years. But make no mistake, we are the aggressors here. America has always been the aggressor in this situation. And until that stops being the case, we are going to keep having people attack us. We're going to keep having these bombings. We're going to keep having all these issues where we keep putting infrastructure in to apologize uh, for people for blowing up their bridges. We have to go and rebuild. Meanwhile, risking American lives and spending an incredible amount of American money to do it. Just is completely, completely idiotic. So anyway, that's the, the basic budget deal. Now, the only person to stand up Seemingly in all of Congress, the only person to stand up 
and actually say, this is wrong. This is runaway spending. And the only conservative I saw, for sure, because even Ted Cruz pretends to be fiscally conservative. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz also got quite a few concessions for his, uh, for his precious, precious Texas cronies in the, uh, in the budget. So he's not fooling anybody. The proof is in the text. The proof is, the proof is in the pork barrel. This budget gets pushed through. Rand Paul actually stood up. He tried to delay the vote. He tried to get a vote on his proposal which was to have an amendment to this to this budget and an amendment going on forever, which says, okay, if you want to have a continuing resolution accompanying that continuing resolution, if you do not hammer out an actual congressionally approved budget, 1% cuts to all services across the board, all government services across the board, all agencies across the board, which is a wonderful proposal. It would be a highly effective proposal, which clearly is why there was no way in hell they were ever going to pass it. Because can you imagine how effective that would be? Now, granted, when they, you know, they, any budget they would get together and pass a deal on, they would immediately build that back into the budget, whatever percent cut was what adopted. Let's say they had two continuing resolutions before a deal was struck. You know they're going to build that 2% right back in when they make the budget. But as a deterrent in the short term to get a budget deal done, very effective solution and one which does indeed work towards our goals of shrinking the size of government. So Rand filibuster did a talking filibuster, which I was just reading an article on today said be become exceedingly rare because there's no requirement for you to actually talk during a filibuster. Now you could just kind of stand there looking stupid like Nancy Pelosi does, or you can talk. Now Rand chose to talk fell on deaf ears. So just past midnight, they pushed through this, this continuing budget. Did not adopt any of Rand's proposals, but I still want to give him a very rare on actual ELL. Paulus! Those of you new to the podcast may not know what that sound was, but that was the sound that we assigned to a uh, show we used to do a lot of here, and which I still do for our Lions Pride members, actually. So if you uh, want to get your Rand Pauluses and Minuses fix, which is what the, our, our show was called, examining the actions of Rand Paul. And we'd uh, take a look at what he did over a couple week period. And this was in probably started doing this 2015, 2016. So he was much more, uh, there was a lot more to talk about as he did a run up going to run for his election. And there's more for him to fight against, I guess, ostensibly with Obama in office, especially with all the spying. So we would do a weekly show breaking down what Rand did well, what Rand did poorly. If he did well, it was a polis. If he did poorly, it was a minus. So, that was a little sample uh, sample track there, but he did stand up well. He's had a great week, and considering his statements in re- in response to President Trump and Trump's statement that he wanted to have a military parade, where Rand had said, "Hey, fine, if you want to have a parade, why don't you declare victory in Afghanistan, and then we can have a parade to celebrate that. We can celebrate the end of the longest war in American history." Even though it's an undeclared war, it's the war on terror, which we know will never, ever end as long as America keeps uh, continuing its actions overseas. But Rand said we could do a parade. We'll say it's a victory parade and raises another very good point, though, is that we don't America doesn't know how to declare a victory anymore. I guess we did it in Iraq under uh, H.W. Bush, Bush, the elder Bush, the Bush, the old grab asser, if you're (laughs) If you're willing to believe those uh, those stories, which I do, and I think are, uh, I think it's hilarious. An old man pinches a butt. Hey, been that way throughout time. I get old ladies pinching my butts too. So anyway, I think we declared victory in that one. But afterwards, you know, now we just, when is there a victory? We've gone into Afghanistan. We destroyed their infrastructure. Yet the Taliban still exists. Terrorists still exist. But we got all the people responsible for 9-11 that were still alive, right? We went and we killed their families. We destroyed a government. We toppled a government and destabilized an entire nation that had basically nothing to do with it. And we're still there. Still fighting the terrorists that now we are creating because we're still there. Now, the Taliban heard Rand Paul's statement about Afghanistan and ending the war there. And the Taliban issued a statement saying, Rand, Paul, we would like to invite you to come and negotiate peace talks. And that, to me, is amazing. Of course, it'll, it'll never happen. 
because the U.S. does not negotiate with terrorists. Because God knows you should never try to talk to your enemy, right? What a crazy idea. What a crazy concept to actually try to talk and work out differences when you can simply drone bomb people, including American citizens, or as I mentioned last show, uh, just kidnap them, black bag in the night, send them off to Gitmo. <laughs> with no rights to a lawyer, no rights to a trial, no rights to uh, even knowing what you're being accused of. Yeah, we could do that instead, right? Anyway, all right, let's get back on target. I want to talk a little bit more about Trump's budget that uh, he has announced. Now, this budget has zero chance of actually getting through, clearly. But there's a lot uh, in this budget. There's Well, I didn't say a lot. There's some things you can applaud in his budget proposal. One of those things, as I said, is a theoretical, you know, almost trillion dollar cut in expenses on all these wars that are ongoing overseas. Now, if that ever happens, if, if somehow that happens in the next year or the next, you know, whatever, is it's, whatever his budget's uh, forecasted to go through, if that happens by the end of his term, then wonderful. That would be incredible. Just a victory for liberty on every front. Ending an illegal war, an unconstitutional war, ending these massive, massive deficit-funded wars that are ongoing without congressional approval, that would just be fantastic. It's not going to happen. Because as we've seen very clearly, (laughs) the last thing people really care about, uh, at least as far as the Senate and uh, the House are concerned, the last thing they really care about is reigning in military spending. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. They are the military industrial Congress. With the exception of Rand Paul, maybe Mike Lee, if he's got his big boy pants on, Amash, of course, is great. But with very, very few exceptions, you don't see anybody speaking up against the military industrial complex or anybody trying to rein in military spending. Even Democrats seem to be all for it because they don't want to say anything negative about our troops. They don't want to make the argument that America shouldn't have the best and the brightest, shiniest weapons. Our weapons better blow up the biggest. They better shine the brightest. If we need to give every soldier a robotic dick that shoots acid bullets, we will give it to them because this is America. So I didn't see the item by item breakdown, but I'm 90% sure there is a uh, an experimental project from Boeing or that robotics lab with the dog thing, the donkey hopping dog thing you can kick downstairs that doesn't fall down like a fucking $4 billion weeble wobble. I'm sure there's some pro- something in there to give our troops dicks that shoot acid bullets. And maybe Remington, if you're listening, you want to save your company? Dicks that shoot acid bullets, Remington, get on it. Anyway, Military Industrial Congress, though, I haven't heard a peep. Nobody's saying anything about the amount of money going towards the military. John McCain, of course, is sitting in a tub of melted butter, slathering himself up. He's probably got 45 prostitutes around him because he finally got his money to go over $700 billion a year from the military. Big day for John McCain. So anyway, within in this plan, of course, military budget over $700 billion a year. Funding uh, will be cut from the State Department, the EPA, rolling back a lot of the Obama regulations and environmental protections. Happy as a clam about that, as you well know. Also pulling in some different, uh, just a lot of kind of across the board cuts to government personnel. But like I said, there's also an increase in in regards to soldiers. (laughs) So while we're cutting one side, they want to hire a bunch more soldiers because we're thin on soldiers, you know, because we just have to have 40,000 sitting over in South Korea. You know, we got a bunch of sitting over in Poland. They're just all spread out all over the world. So, you know, you get stretched thin after a while, but there's also some cuts to social programs, uh, which I'm for and uh, privatization of some services. And in addition, uh, looking at privatization of some roads, and uh, the you know, Trump, one of the things he put in there was that states could create more toll roads. Now, there was laws on the books that said you can't create international uh, or I'm sorry, national toll roads. You know, if there's interstate roads that have been built by the government, you're not allowed to toll them. But Trump is looking to make it a little bit easier for different people to tack on uh, roads to the side. Like, for example, in California, we have optional toll roads that are built in addition to existing infrastructure uh, for example, if you're coming from Los Angeles, you're driving down to San Diego, there's a stretch of 
I think probably about 20 to 30 miles of toll road. And it's something like a dollar 25 or something to use it, but it is a pristine four lane highway. That's not very well trafficked. And my God, is it great? I take it every damn time. Kind of like net neutrality. You know, you should be able to pay to go a little faster. And if you want to use the special road that costs more money and is paid to be upkept a little bit better, then you should have to pay more. Because that's the way the market should work. Now, anyway, I know it's government making the money, but still, wouldn't it be nice if private companies then were given this ability to create their own private roads running uh, in conjunction parallel to these state freeways and didn't have to go through a million regulations to do it? That would be lovely. So Trump puts, is putting that into place. They also want to put, uh, they say they're going to reveal Obamacare. That's never going to happen, especially not with midterm elections, especially not with the 2018 elections coming up. No one's going out on a limb to risk voters on Obamacare repeals. That's never happening. Speaking of other things that are never happening, Social Security reform, never happening. Not even addressed in this budget. Not even remotely addressed in this budget. So again, another thing that people are just kicking down the road contentedly, screw over the next generation, screw over me, screw over these millennials, screw over the people that are Gen Z coming out now, complaining and ruining things and trying to redefine words like Negro in Spanish because it's offensive, even though the word Negro is taken from Spanish Negro because this word for black doesn't make any sense. Try to change the actual definition. You're going to change the root of the word crazy anyway infrastructure obviously is a big part of this budget 21 billion next year towards a spending plan worth 200 billion over 10 years helps says the white house says it will help spur 1.5 trillion in spending when combined with state local and private funds so they're hoping that they're going to get a lot of private funding to help support this but of course (laughs) all these infrastructure bills when you look at how the government actually handles number one It's going to be vastly more expensive than anything they could ever project it to be. Number two, it's all crony capitalism. All these jobs created are going to come at such a fucking premium because they're going to be union bullshit jobs that are going to be guaranteed through union bullshit organizational contracts or agreements with the states and with the representatives, with the governments. So they're going to get incredibly high prices for shitty level work. And it's going to go to companies that are cozy, cozy with the state legislators, meaning that you're also going to pay a premium for the work done rather than opening up the bidding process and saying, okay, we're going to get it from anybody, anybody, anywhere, which is what there was some discussion on, by the way, this whole concept uh, for some of the government purchases, for instance, it was called like this Amazon bill and the Democrats were railing against it. But the concept of the bill was to open it up so that government entities could simply go on Amazon, type in stapler and buy a stapler on Amazon for $2 rather than going through the approved state sanctioned supplier for $400 a stapler, which is what happens now. So this infrastructure bill will be an absolute nightmare and whatever possible guess you hear is never going to happen. It's always going to be three to four times more expensive. Border security is another big one in the budget. $18 billion towards the border wall with Mexico and $2.7 billion to detain up to 52,000 undocumented immigrants, $782 million to hire 2,750 more customs and immigration agents. So maybe trouble gets some portion of his wall built with this money and concession that the Democrats are going to have to make somewhere along the line. And then we also have got opioid treatment. Now this, I don't want it to come from the government. But in a way, it pleases me just because it at least acknowledges the fact that addiction and drug use is not a criminal act, nor should it be treated as a criminal act. And the best way to treat this type of thing is to legalize it and to treat it. Or if you refuse to legalize it, as Jeff Sessions refuses to do, meanwhile, he's going off and saying that Sheriff's departments are in an Anglo-American, i.e. white power structure, <laughs> a tradition of white sheriffs, Anglo-American. God damn it. I don't, I, I don't want to go into this story too deeply. Just 
the long story short, Jeff Sessions was talking to a sheriff's group somewhere, and he goes, the sheriff is a very important part of Anglo-American crime tradition, or something along those lines of paraphrasing. The key phrase, though, is the sheriff being Anglo-American. God, he's a fucking idiot. Anyway, so jackass Jeff Sessions won't uh, won't look to legalize these drugs, but spending $10 billion on opioid treatment, including you know certified health centers that are going to be more in line with uh, giving methadone kind of clinics in the UK. That's a good thing. Now, granted, that's subject to year-by-year renewal by Congress and spending caps, so who knows what will happen with that. But still, at least it's nice to see a little bit of a nod. So <laughs> the one thing I want to end on this with is, is one of the more uh, interesting proposals. It's something that got a lot of traction today as I was reading. And that's that within Trump's budget is a proposal in which the food stamps the stamps program would be eliminated. And instead of getting food stamps, which right now food stamps can be used on virtually anything in regards to, I mean, there's no, there's, there's very few restrictions placed on what you can and can't buy with food stamps. I think only recently they made it so you can't buy cigarettes with food stamps, but it leaves it wide open for people to, to buy them with whatever. It leaves a lot, a lot of room for abuse and if you you can go right now and you can get a lot of uh, secondhand food stamps bought, you're seeing people sell them all the time uh, for profit, not using them for food at all. So there's a lot of waste in the system. There's a lot of people taking advantage of the system, of course. And what Donald Trump wants to do is replace it with a blue apron type of service, essentially food delivery to people. And the Democratic responses to this are pretty funny. Uh, on one hand, I agree with it a little bit, in which case the people aren't getting food choices they might otherwise have if they were on food stamps. But at the same time, beggars can't be choosers, man. I mean, look, if the government is going to find, if, if there's going to be a blue apron type service that's going to deliver people food, which makes it certain that it will be you, the food, you're going to, this money is going towards buying food. And it's stuff like canned, you know, canned food, macaroni and cheese, stuff like that. I'm sure they'll have some sort of fresh element built into it too. Because that was one of the things people are complaining about, but some sort of vegetables, some sort of fruits included in it. But you have that delivered. These Democrats are saying, oh, well, people won't, people won't know how to make it. Will there be instructions? Will there be cooking classes? It's like, look, if you don't know how to play, plate some macaroni up, if you don't know how to open a can of soup or put beans on a plate, then your problems go a lot farther than food stamps. I think we can all agree on that. But this concept of, of giving people the food, I you know, it's fine. And while I would love for people to have all the freedom to choose what they want, if you are getting free food from the government, if you're getting free, uh, you know, medical care from the government, a free sex change from the fucking government, which apparently is the thing that they're doing now, you pretty much should have to accept the level that is being provided at. And if you don't like it, you should go pay for it yourself. It's not all of our responsibilities as a, as taxpayers to fund you and make sure that you can go and spend all your money on fucking Slurpees and hot dogs or cigarettes and, uh, and packets of, of under-the-counter malt liquor that they're selling at the shader places for food stamps exchange, whatever you're spending them on. If the government says, okay, we're going to give you food because this is a food program and this is going to be the choices you have within the food program. We're going to give you this box. You make what's in the box. And I guarantee you they'll have special provisions for people that have health needs and whatnot. I work with a charity called Project Angel Food. They have specific boxes they deliver to people that are under the poverty level or that are sick. A lot of them with sick cancer patients, AIDS patients. They have very special medical diets. So they will custom tailor the food for those diets. I'm sure that this, if this plan got pushed through, that would be part of it. So who knows? Will it be more efficient? I doubt it. The cost to, to hire people to deliver all this food, to package all that food every day, you'd have to privatize it and send it out. Maybe if you can get a deal made to do it, but I still think it's going to cost a lot more money than just sending people a book of stamps once a month or make them go to an office to pick it up. So it just doesn't seem feasible from a practical standpoint. But again, I'm just, I'm just laughing at the Democratic response because I said it before. Democrats don't want people to succeed. We saw that with the response to the State of the Union. They don't want people to succeed. They want you to stay compliant and stupid. They want you to be as helpless as possible and as poor as possible. So you have to rely on good old government. 
screw that. All right, I'm going to wrap it on that. Let's take a quick commercial break, and then I'm going to come up with just a tidbit more before wrapping it up. Hey, guys, you might remember that I recently said that this is the libertarian moment and that we need more people to stand up and run for office. Now, if you're tired of watching Liberty erode and you plan to stand up and run for office, I want you to call on a team that has over 20 years experience, Global Alliance Communications. They specialize in data analytics, identifying and mobilizing voters. They offer live voter outreach, data acquisition, compliance, recorded messages, text messaging with full social media touchpoints, and teletown halls. Campaigns of all types and sizes are encouraged to reach out, and you can find out more by visiting their website at www.gacigroup.com or email info at gacigroup.com. All right, we are back with this Electric Liberty Land episode number 59. Again, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL59. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention about this uh, food stamp thing, which was pretty funny. So in our Lions of Liberty forum, which you guys can join, uh, just go to Facebook, type in Lions of Liberty forum. It'll pop right up. Just say you heard about it here from me listening to the podcast. You heard it from Jason Stapleton or Tom Woods or, or Dave Smith, anybody out there. A friend told you. A lover told you. Whatever it may be. But uh, a guy, guy who's in our forum, David White, give him a shout out, had a pretty funny comment. So he writes, uh, you know, these faux NPR headlines. Uh, <laughs> 2010 NPR. Obama is the savior because he's deciding what food people, parentheses kids, should eat. And you'll recall that this is uh, there was a thing Michelle Obama put into schools, which basically just was awful. Uh, I remember seeing kids fighting back. There was, you know, they get a piece of bread, one piece of bread, not a sandwich, mind you. <laughs> it's one piece of bread with mustard and a slice of bologna on it. And then like some, some greens, cause it was just, it was this strict food rest- uh, restrictions put in place because they said that the kids were too fat and they had to have this and that. And talk about getting a little, it is so funny. Okay. Let me finish this tweet. And then I go on more of this rant. And then it has NPR 2017. Trump is the devil because he's deciding what food people should eat. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is dead on accurate. They're taking away a kid's school choice. They, they took away like half the shit on the menu. No more pizza, no more pasta, no more tacos, no more chocolate milk. No more choice for kids. You get these restrictive foods, and if you don't like it, go kiss my ass. That was what Michelle and Barack Obama said, and all the progressives just clapped and clapped and clapped and clapped for it. They thought it was so great. And now, when Trump wants to try to do the same thing, to try to get rid of some of this, uh, the waste in the program and people taking advantage of the program. Oh, it's the worst thing. How can you take away their choices? Ah, God, the hypocrisy, people. God, delicious. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about on this episode is the Olympics. And look, I personally like the Olympics. I know a lot of people don't like them. And I know that we can all pretty much agree that the Winter Olympics, especially, are more odious than the Summer Olympics because the Summer Olympics, at least, is, you know, it's running. It's sports that you can do without having to be a rich kid who was like, you know, especially with these X Games they put into place. I mean, God damn it. If you've ever been skiing, you know how much it costs to buy a pair of skis, to get all the ski equipment, and to pay for the skiing pass. And unless you live in the north, you know, like the northern part of the country, unless you're in the middle of Denver, unless you're out where there's a lot of alpine style skiing, where you can just come out your front door and slap some barrel spikes to your legs, it costs a shitload of money to do. So when you see people in these ice skating rinks, you see people uh, doing the crazy, crazy tricks, the snowboarders on the half pipe, you know, these are a bunch of elitist shills for the most part. Yeah, once in a while you get a great story. Like, I love watching the luge. This one luger <laughs> had actually built, his dad built a luge track in their backyard, in wherever it was, you know, uh, out in Bumblefuck somewhere. That was awesome. And they showed a picture of it, and they showed some home videos of it, and it was <laughs> it was fucking awesome. And uh, it makes me wish that my dad had built me a luge, luge uh, course in the backyard. But for the most part, 
Look, if you're going to be a uh, a Sean White style snowboarder, you not only are going to the slopes, but you're going to spend a shit ton of money to go and jump into a foam pit off a specialized jump ramp so you won't get hurt and blah, 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 blah. So it's for elitists. Now, the Olympics in general, incredible waste of money. It always ends up being a terrible deal for the city. And Los Angeles bent its ass over to get fucked by the Olympics, I think, in 2028. So I'm really looking forward to that shit show. City with the worst traffic in the entire world. Well, maybe not the world. At least the worst traffic in the country. And we're going to have all these people coming in. We're going to spend all this money on more infrastructure and on more stadiums we don't need. Now, granted, the timing might be well because they're already building a new stadium. But that's all tied in anyway with tax dollars. So we're still getting screwed. But there is something about watching the Olympics. There is, I, I do feel the stirrings of seeing like, it's interesting to be like the opening ceremony, seeing what people can do. Cause it's a lot of volunteers. Obviously they're not paying, uh, paying a lot of these people, but seeing people come together and create this, this beautiful spectacle. That's, that is touching to me. It's not touching seeing them embrace statism. Uh, of course that's not touching, but it's, it's interesting to me. And I still do root for the USA. I know a lot of people are anarchists. Oh, you know they don't want they, don't, they want no government at all. They want uh, they want to destroy the state and all of its all its workings. And I'm for most of that. But you know I enjoy being an American. I wouldn't mind being American if it actually had stayed true to the principles it was founded upon. And we still do have it a hell of a lot better than most countries. And that's something that I do keep in mind. So I do root for the United States when it comes to the Olympics. And uh, and I enjoy watching the the sport and the spectacle. One thing though. <laughs> I did not enjoy was the progressive media and CNN in particular, because anybody that's an enemy of Trump is a friend of CNN, CNN in particular, bending over backwards with this glowing bullshit story about Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un's sister, whose name is Kim Yo-jong. So Kim Yo-jong sat in, sat in the same booth as Mike Pence and South Korea's president, she wrote a really nice little note in the South Korean president's, you know, log book. You know, you write in there uh, some nice greeting. So she wrote, I hope that our countries can get together and work things out, be unified, and all, you know, yada, 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 whatever. And overall, just sat there looking fairly pleasant. Busy just sat there not looking like the sister of a, a psychopath and a sister that's gone along with some of the worst atrocities committed against citizens of a nation in history. I mean, this shit's right up there with Stalin, what what uh, Kim Jong-un does. Blowing people up with any aircraft guns that they cross him, starving his people to death, restricting what they can wear, what haircuts they can have, what clothes they can wear, going through and kidnapping girls to be his sex slaves, young girls, grooming them and forcing them into sex and just raping them, basically. So CNN writes this fawning piece about how, oh my God, what a what a wonderful breath of fresh air. What a wallflower. Oh, she's so friendly and nice and she's going to be the key. And it's like, fuck you. Go fucking fuck yourself, CNN. I mean, I, unbelievable. Because like, say what you will about Donald Trump's blustering approach to North Korea, which obviously I'm not for. But at least the guy calls a spade a spade. At least he is very clear on his opinion about North Korea and Kim Jong-un. And look, it's granted, I think it's encouraging to see a little bit of interaction between North Korea and South Korea. And they may pull back. And, you know, they were talking about this on the last uh, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor show on Monday, which Mark Claire had on Rico, JB, and Howie. Uh, Howie, by the way, if you don't know this, Howie puts together our, our news links that we get every single day. And I base a lot of this content off his news links. And now... People that join the Pride at $15 or above get that email. So we send out an email with all these links. You can see all these stories. So anyway, <laughs> at least Donald Trump, though, even if they, you know, even if they're, this, they're fostering this better will, at least he still knows, look, this guy is a brutal dictator. He's starving his people. He's running, you know, he, he's basically establishing a nuclear program at the cost of his own people's health and safety because a lot of these people now that are working close to these sites, they're, they're getting sick, predictably. As a man who sacrificed his people's health, well-being, and the fortunes of his country to build up the military. And part of me wants to say, I get it. 
you don't want to give up your nukes. Look what happens to Gaddafi when that happened. You know, when he gave up his nukes. Whoops! Now you're dead from a knife up the ass. But you don't want to forget the fact that this man is is evil. He's crazy. He's evil, and his sister is part of a culture, this family, and she's gone along with it. She's crazy and evil too. I'm sure if she, you know, she could have taken him out a million times over. I'm not saying that she should. I'm saying she could. So let's not forget that when we're looking at her wave at people and sit there with a, with a smile on her face for the cameras as their joint hockey team goes out and gets blown out in, <laughs> in women's hockey in the Olympics. Ah, one more last final thought. I, I did think it was kind of interesting that Mike Pence was sitting like right next to her <laughs> in the box at the Olympic opening ceremonies. Because, you know, Mike Pence very famously never wanted to be in a room with a woman lest something shady and untoward happens. And I just can't help thinking how great it would be if, if everybody just, you know, just Mike Pence found himself alone with Kim Yo-Jung. <laughs> And then, oh God, I'm, I'm in a room alone with this lady and just can't hold back his emotions anymore. And just ends up just fucking her. <laughs> Voluntarily, mind you. Kim Yo Jong gives, she gives way. She, she says, I, I've been living in North Korea. I've never had the touch of a man. Mike Pence. And just how funny that would be. Kim Jong-un next time, they, next time Trunk tweets at him. Hey, guess what, Kim Jong? Mike Pence, fuck your sister in the ass. <laughs> All caps. Sad. <laughs> ah, and on that mental image of Mike Pence railing Kim Jong's sister in the pooty shooter, I will bid you guys adieu. This has been Brian McWilliams for the Lions of Liberty and Electric Liberty Land. I do want to remind you guys to listen to uh, our more serious shows. Great. I, I do a lot of raging and ranting on this one, but Mark Clear on Mondays. Yeah, this last episode was the Lions uh, or Libertarians of the Living Rooms Drinking Liquor Show. But typically, he does have on more serious guests, the leaders of the Libertarian Movement, Walter Block, the Tom Woods, uh, all those good people on the show. And does very interesting deep dives with them on Libertarian Theory. John Odie, Odermatt, of course, on Felony Fridays, talking about the injustices in the system. And uh, yeah, that's one you definitely do not want to miss, guys. I swear to God, every show is... Uh, just more mind-blowing than the last. Sad. It'll make you sad. It'll make you angry. Uh, but also gives you some hope sometimes, too. And uh, there's been a lot of shows that are very uplifting as well. Hearing people come back from this government boot on their neck. So, as I mentioned, we do have our pride. You can join that by going to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. That's where you get our extra bonus content. My Rand pluses and minuses I put out. Our Degenerate Gambler shows. Uh, extra conspiracy corner shows, looking at different conspiracy theories, bonus interviews, all that good stuff. And at $15, you get Howie Snowden's very special emails. All right, I'll wrap it at that, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Brian McWilliams from the Electric Liberty Land, reminding you to always stay plugged in to liberty.